Support for the Working Fans Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They have just launched in the UK. They have gone years over there without using the right tools for the job. And now, if you live in the UK, you can be one of the first people to experience their life-changing products. AJ, you were telling me about their products earlier. Give us a rundown of a few things they offer. Let me tell you something. As a former professional wrestler, I know a thing or two about wrestling with ancient technology. Having to get ready in the 1990s and the early 2000s for a wrestling match and having to take care of your favorite tag team partners down there below the belt wasn't easy. You'd use an old straight razor or you'd try to use those old-fashioned clippers and all you do is you cause you cause your tag team partners to get color. We're not trying to do that, folks. We're trying to take care of them and preserve them. Now, with the modern technology brought to you by Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you get a ceramic blade that keeps your buddies down there south of the border safe and in shape and ready to go all night long. And why don't you tell us about some of the features and some of the stuff that they have, like Joe asked you. Guys, not only do they have your favorite technology for the trimming, Mm. but they have stuff like the crop preserver. They've got things that will make your balls so gentle and sweet and with tonic that even an old married guy like me might actually have a chance to get them touched. Maybe that's a ball wipe, too. When you're wielding those balls out in the free world, you don't want to have them be like mini cacti, do you? Just slapping them in the face. That Mm -hmm. that doesn't work. Nah, man. Before, I made a few accidents myself. Looked like somebody just crushed up a bunch of ketchup packets down there. It was awful. I thought I had to go to the hospital. But thankfully, I made it out all right. My wife's favorite thing. My wife's favorite thing that they have is they actually have disposable mats that you can stand on while you're doing it which keeps you from leaving all your business all over the bathroom floor. That's a big thing when it comes to cleaning up. Got some cool t-shirts, now, too. Guys, the Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and it's just released in the UK, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Fuck the 2.0. <clears throat> they upgraded it, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a third-generation t- trimmer which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Because this is one place where red doesn't equal green. When I say this thing is premium, I'm not fucking around. This thing is premium. It has up to 90 minutes. You can get a longer shave. And frankly, if you're shaving for 90 minutes, God bless you. It's also constructed with a waterproof technology that allows you to shave in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Why go that fast? You can even now do your trimming when the lights have gone down low and you can do it with that nice LED light. I'm telling you, it's like having a spotlight down there to protect you. Now, I do arguably my best work in the dark, but even though it contains all of the above-mentioned features, don't forget about the charging stand. Display it in your bathroom. Let people know you're shaving your nuts. It's an intelligently designed stand that is a convenient charging stand powered by USB. Now, if you're listening to us talk about dick shaving right now, 
We want you to experience all of this firsthand for yourself. Let's clean you up from bush to tush and beyond. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off your order and free shipping with the code WFP2020. Remember, the code WFP, Work of Fans Podcast, baby. 2020 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping <clears throat> at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Now part of the All Everything Entertainment Podcasting Network. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, Football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects. And that's why they started this company in May of 2019 to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team. You can find them on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching All Everything Entertainment or go to alleverythingentertainment.com for their full schedule and a full list of their shows. If you like us, you will 100% like them. Thank you. 
we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, it divides the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the man they call Dave. And I'm here to give a uh, special thanks this time of year. And boy, with the year we had, it just seems a little odd just to say I'm thankful for wrestling. So... You know, let me start off just by saying I'm obviously thankful for my family, my friends, and just everybody important in my life is healthy, and we're all doing okay. Because, you know, not an easy thing to say nowadays. This year has definitely been a struggle. You know, I'm thankful that my uh, business is doing well. I know I talk a little bit too much about on the podcast. Nobody probably wants to hear me talk about bread. But, uh, yeah, I'm thankful that that's doing well. I'm thankful I got to do some much-needed home projects this year. And, you know, of course, I am thankful for the podcast, and I'm thankful that things are going pretty well for me this year, you know? Not that it's been easy, but, boy, you know, and this, and, you know, uh, the podcast can definitely be a lot of work, folks, especially when you're trying to work on your house and you're trying to do your business that requires you to get up at 2 in the morning. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's a tough ass some days, you know? But, you know, I'm really happy that I have it in my life. You know, it's been a great, great year in a lot of ways. You know, I'm super thankful I got to interview some of the people I did, like Ross and Marshall Von Eric. I mean, I grew up on Legends of World Class. Coming home, you know, maybe having not the greatest day in school, but getting home at like 3 o'clock and watching uh, Legends of World Class on ESPN, whether 3 or 4 o'clock, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. And like that was it. That was fun for me. You know, that made my day some days. You know, just uh, watching those uh, crazy Von Erich boys. You know, now watching Kevin Von Erich's sons in MLW and getting to interview them was certainly a highlight for us this year. Personal highlight for me. Uh, George South. Meeting George South and talking to George South. What a passionate guy. Uh, if the world could be as passionate as George South, we would all be in a better place. Great stories. And uh, he's the biggest wrestling fan I probably know. <clears throat> so, you know, getting to meet George was fun. Thankful for all our working fo- fans, podcast friends and fans that write in and the people that support the show. You know, I want to especially shout out guys like Jake and Zach St. John, Scott Michael from Voluntown, Randy Osga, you know, Mike Flynn, all you guys that helped contribute, Jesse from New Hampshire, you know, thank you so much for, uh, and anyone I'm forgetting, but just thank you guys so much for contributing and, you know, helping out and giving us feedback. We appreciate it. And anyone else who bothers to download our podcast, thank you so much. I want to thank my uh, co-host, the guys that make this all possible, um, AJ Strangebrew, uh, who I've known for many, many years. And, you know, I don't even know if he's going to listen to this, you know, I'll say it, you know, boy. 
he can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but <clears throat> you know, um, he wants to see this podcast succeed. He adds a lot of great color and he's a friend at the end of the day. So I'm super thankful for him for being here. As for producer Joe, you know, Joe just doesn't exist. You know, all the hours he puts in editing and his time. Joe is a very uh, passionate guy. Anything, Joe probably wears his heart on his sleeve too much and he gets beat up for it. But he always means well and, you know, his dedication doesn't go unnoticed. It's not possible without Joe. So I want to thank Joe. And, you know, that's about it, man. I just want to let everybody know how thankful and I appreciate you ever helping out with this. I'm thankful for my family and all the ones close to me that I love for being healthy. And I'm just thankful that, you know, I get this opportunity and this platform to tell you all how thankful I am. So I think that's going to be it for me. I don't really want to ramble anymore that I have. I'm not particularly uh, good at this side of thing. So I hope everybody has a uh, happy Thanksgiving and, you know, enjoy it. All right, this is it. This is Dave from the Working Fans Podcast. I'm out. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave, AJ Strangebrew. And today it's another Dave versus AJ. And we got War Games versus the Royal Rumble. And I was a gentleman this week, and I took the Royal Rumble. <laughs> so, hey, Shay, why don't you make your case for the war games, buddy? <laughs> well, well, this should be an easy one. Um, <laughs> okay, the original war games, when it was first brought out, was one of the best staples in professional wrestling and one of the best original gimmick matches to actually be put together you talk about those original teams the horsemen versus i believe it was let's see road warriors, road warriors dusty. ta dusty and freaking um paul ellering right yes paul ellering was in the original yeah. that's the and, and they were going against the horsemen with of dylan. Course, which were the original horsemen with jj dylan mm-hmm. for those of you who are younger the original horsemen obviously were flair iron tully and ole anderson yeah there were some substitutes in there, too, because uh, J.J. Dillon actually got injured the first night. And uh, a war machine was the guy's name, but it was actually Big Bubba Rogers under a mask. Which, to me, does not seem like a fair trade-off to trade. Because <laughs> 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 a future big boss man J.J. <laughs> Dillon. Um, you mean the atmosphere, though. If you go back and listen to those old war games, the atmosphere from those crowds, those southern crowds in particular, just insane the original gimmick match itself was absolutely incredible and Mm -hmm. they were smart about who they started off with who they knew hey let's start with iron anderson and he actually i believe was teamed up with animal to start the match Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly on those original ones and that became the system was that the two people that could work would be put in together and then you would bring in somebody later on. You would get your um, Ric Flair and your Dusty Rhodes in. And obviously at that point, you would start to clamor in. And then eventually you want to clear the house. So then you bring in your maniac like Hawk later in the match who would come in and try to injure everybody. Right. I mean, <laughs> come in allegedly cocaine-fueled. <laughs> but that became the system for the war games. Right. And like we're saying, if we're comparing nuts and bolts and we're doing the original War Games versus the original Royal Rumble. Okay. First of all, most people don't even remember which one's the original Royal Rumble. Well, I do. It's a 20-man Royal Rumble. Hacksaw Jim Duggan won it on the USA Network. However. (laughs) But the 
the yes. two of us remembering what it is and everyday Joe Schmo remembering what it is yeah. is a different thing. Now, if you want to talk about the evolution of the match, yeah. unfortunately, while we have had good ones, and over the last couple of years, it's been tremendous matches down at NXT. They've done wonderful job. But quite frankly, War Games disappeared for a little while. It was gone. It got watered down in the mid-90s when you had those horrible ones involving Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. But, I agree. I actually agree but, with that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I absolutely love the original incarnation of the War Games. If we're talking about which one's the better gimmick match and which one's actually the better pure match, I'll take regular War Games the first uh, year of them when they toured around the country selling out everywhere they went, the Royal Rumble keeps its mystique because it's a once-a-year thing. Yes. Whereas that War Games was literally everywhere they went through the summer, I believe it was 87? Yeah, 87, yep. Yeah, the summer of 87 when they went through the, basically, I think it was the Great American Bash Tour. It was, it was. That's the, it sold out in every town. Now, that being said, it was more of a territory system still, and what they could do in that time period was actually travel from different place to different place, and people would clamor to see it because people weren't watching it on pay-per-view. But go ahead, Dave. You were, and, 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 and a correction earlier, too. It wasn't Magnum. It was Nikita. We discussed that in our little faux pas. Yes. Uh, no arguments here, but as we both know, the specialty match. Overall, though, the evolution is where these two start to separate, and that's where it gets yeah. a little unfortunate. I would agree with you. Uh, War Games did become a once-a-year thing because they realized how special it was. And there was some good earlier WCW War Games. I want to say there was still the one with this horseman, which was Sid. And uh, Brian Pillman got powerbombed multiple times. Yeah, one of my... The Dangerous Alliance were good. Too. Yes. I thought you just took the word that. Sting Squadron, Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. Absolutely an awesome War Games. So much talent in there. Sting, Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes. And then you had Rick Rude, Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton on the other side. A lot of great well, talent. That was a great mixture uh, at that time of young talent who yeah. would become legends and people in legends that were almost at the tail end of their career. Right. So you had a good combination in those matches. Right. And, there. and I recommend, and this is something I don't always recommend to people, mm. go back and watch it. I don't always make that recommendation because I'm not a person who enjoys in general going back, going back and watching the same thing right. a hundred times. Right. But if you're going to go back and watch something, Go back and watch that Dangerous Alliance versus Sting's Squadron. Yes. And you'll get a good taste for what I... Okay, let's be clear about something. When we talk about WCW, we know that the NWO in that time period is the most successful time period in WCW history. That doesn't mean wrestling-wise it was the best time period. No, that period you're talking I'll, about, yeah. I'll take the time period for pure wrestling and for enjoyable shows for those of us that are real wrestling fans. I'll take that time period in the early 90s to almost mid-90s over the NWO time period any day of the week. Yeah, agreed. Unfortunately, the problem is the evolution, like we said. Whereas the War Games would have some great beginnings, and you would eventually get uh, Hulkamaniacs versus the Dungeon of Doom. And even a young Harlem Heat teaming up with Sid, and uh, maybe it was Vader, but they were taking on the Shockmaster. And, uh, yeah, I believe well, Sid and Vader were actually managed, and everybody was brought in by Sister Sherry and right. Robert Fuller. Yeah, Sherry might not have been with him yet, but yes, that was the, that was around the time that WCW made the mistake of, they had Robert Ford come out with them, and they had chains around their neck, and they had yeah. to, yeah, <laughs> not straight a good look. Straight from the plantation. Right, not a good look. <laughs> 
Whereas Royal Rumble, ironically, you know what's funny about this? If you look at like where the war games really went down south, like officially, where it got really bad, was probably where uh, Hulk Hogan versus the Dungeon of Doom. But where Royal Rumble really picked it up a notch was when Ric Flair came over and won the world title in the Royal Rumble. And suddenly that legacy started to mean more because then they had, let's, you know, Flair raised the elevation of the Royal Rumble, which is ironic. Now, and the following year, they started doing the thing where the winner would go on to WrestleMania and main event. And that became the big thing. And the fact they do it once a year and then over the years it became known for its surprises. Well, that's what, like this past year's Royal Rumble, I mean, not all the Royal Rumbles have been great, but this past year we had a really good one when Edge made a surprise appearance, Brock was doing his thing in the beginning, we had people like Keith Lee, who hadn't been on the main roster yet, coming up, and really good stuff. I think we all miss Blue Tista. Blue Tista, yes. <laughs> yeah, so at the end, <clears throat> unfortunately, I guess that's what it really boils down to, is that the Royal Rumble just did a better job of evolving. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, what makes the Royal Rumble special. Mm-hmm. It's actually the system of how they did it and the way they came up with the idea yes. of doing the two people starting off. And unlike other battle royals where you basically have a massive humanity just wrestling rest holds the rest of the way through the match. Right. It always keeps special because you're going to eventually get one on one matchups <laughs> between superstars that you might not get all year long. You get that matchup like your Keith Lee and Brock Lesnar which you might never see on a program because one person's either that megastar or you've always wondered, hey, what would happen if these two met? Yeah. And you get a chance for those opportunities in the Royal Rumble that you don't get in other matches. So the chemistry and the setup is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think somebody described it. Maybe it was Pat Patterson, but they basically said that uh, the way the Royal Rumble was booked, it was like a live run-in on TV constantly. Every two minutes there was a run-in. And, you know, it's kind of it. It's exciting. I mean, that's well, the way the match is booked. Like yeah. To me, it's like two-minute dream matches. Right. I mean, you're, you're, it's yeah. an opportunity to have the run-ins and you get two-minute dream matches. Yeah. We had opportunities, even in that one with Flair, you had the, the first time Sting and Hogan, uh, not Sting, Sid Vicious and Hogan touching each other for the first time in that sure. one. Mm-hmm. You had Flair and Hogan touching each other, theoretically. Flair and Piper. wrestled on house shows. Piper and Flair, you had... I mean, anybody who doesn't realize the validity of that Royal Rumble 92 being one of the biggest Ric Flair matches of all time would have to be a complete moron. <laughs> Absolutely. No arguments here. <laughs> would it cheer my eye? I'm going to tell you all, it's the greatest moment of my life. I know AJ loves that moment every day. <laughs> Second only to Flair versus Race at Starcade. <laughs> okay, wow. We're going to go to the votes on that note. <laughs> and I'm going to do it like this. So a little drama. Since this was also a 3-2 to two vote, unlike our vote last week as well. So Jake St. John, he voted for the War Games. Randy Osga voted for the Rumble. Mike Flynn voted for the Rumble. Zach St. John, like his brother, voted for War Games. <laughs> and Scott... And Scott from Voluntown <laughs> closed the show, and he voted for the Royal Rumble. And much like you said, too, the original match concept he talked about was great, and he thought overall better, but the Royal Rumble just had a continuing more success than Sebastian. Well, to me, the difference, and this is just the major difference, and I know I'm supposed to be wrestling, uh, arguing for <laughs> war games, but 
one unfortunately became more watered down through time, whereas one evolved and became one of the biggest shows in wrestling every year. Right, yeah. No, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the things Scott wrote here. And I, I mean, that's basically the idea. At the end of the day, unfortunately, the War Games concept was a lot more fun, but it just it uh, wasn't as climat- climatic, you know. So we decided today that the uh, War Games, although the original was really great, it did lose steam towards the end. That doesn't mean, hey, that doesn't mean, you know, like I've enjoyed the NXT War Games and they're still fun. Absolutely. And, yeah. Although I do miss the top on top. Like I think you need to have like the top of the cage. On Biggest there. mistake that they've made, and NXT doesn't make a lot of mistakes like this, was taking the top off the cage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I realize it's more dangerous to the wrestlers to have that top there. Mm-hmm. But if you can have a top on the Hell in the Cell, why can't you have a top on the War Games? Agreed. Agreed. All right, folks, that's going to do it this week, the Royal Rumble 1. And uh, that's it for Dave and AJ. We're out. Welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, vote it down to a top three, debate that top three down to a top one. And this week, we have, um, it's probably the one that we've gotten the most responses for. And I think everybody's a fan of this subject. And that is the top five. Rick Flair matches of mm. all time. Dave, who do you got first for a list? I got our boy Zach coming in here with the 1992 Royal Rumble. After that, we got Bobby Eaton, two out of three falls, Clash of Champions 15, Steamboat, Wrestle War 89, Barry Windham, Crockett Cup, 80, Crockett Cup 87, and Terry Funk, I Quit Match. All great picks. I love you put Bobby Eaton in there because that's one I think they'll go under the radar. So appreciated that. Yeah, he stole one of mine. I'm not going to tell you which one, but he stole one of mine. Mm. <laughs> I think it's important to be fair to Flair, and I think Zach did a good job, except, oh. for, the 90, except for the 92 Royal Rumble. I think that the Royal Rumble or any kind of battle royal like that, to put that in somebody's top matches is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a showcase of what he did, but it wasn't a showcase of what Ric Flair could do wrestling-wise. So We're going to go in on this a little deeper in the future here, trust me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We'll have plenty of times for it to come up. Oh, it's going to come up. And I'm going to definitely go on this a little bit later, but we'll, we'll continue. Hey, guys, and since we can now run that Manscaped ad, no hair, no flair, mm. but let's jump to Sheaf, who's got the Jumbo Sharuda two out of three falls match. Huh. He has the hour draw with Steamboat. He has the match versus Sean at Mania 24. Apparently, there's a Barry Windham TV match. Yeah, there is. And Savage at Mania 8. Okay, I do have to take one thing to task. I love that list. And I know AJ's looking at me too. The Steamboat Hour Draw Mash. That could be a lot of them. So I need a little more. The one from Mid-Atlantic in 1982? (laughs) They they went to Broadway so many times, Chief. (laughs) I want to think he means... Yeah, yeah. actually, I don't know which one he means, actually, no. The Barry Windham one on TV is talking about the one where they went to the time limit draw. Right. It looked like Windham could take the belt from him, and it kept going to the false finish, false finish. Yes. And then, we're out of time! Yeah, and then they played it the next week, and he hit him with the lariat clothesline, I want to say, and it was one, two, oh, the time ran out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We, 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 me and Dave, unfortunately, remember that because it got us as children. Yeah, we love Windham. <laughs> oh, I would have I killed that Barry's champ. Killed. I would have murdered somebody. Yes. <laughs> I got Scott from Voluntown, and he's kicking it off with one of my favorite flair matches, the Royal Rumble 92 performance. <laughs> Love that one. Steamboat, WrestleWar 89, Funk, I Quit, Sting at the very first clash, 
Race, Starcade 83. <laughs> and we got, as an honorable mention, Kurt Henning from 1993, Monday Night Raw. Well, the good news is, is you put a flare match on there. The one with that wonderful referee, Gene <laughs> Kaninsky. Gene Dave's going to have plenty more chances to shit on that match. Oh, yeah, I will. But if you notice what Scott did there, he took a flare and a steamboat match, and he told us which one. He did. He did. I appreciate he that. He make it more specific, definitely. <laughs> the next match I have, the next list I have up, is our man Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got Flair versus Dusty Cage match. Uh, <laughs> you you tell me which one, AJ. <laughs> I'm literally shaking my head doing the same thing we did for the steamboat. I'm like, really? The, the Flair-Dusty's Cage match. It's Flair versus Wyndham from January 20th, 1987. <laughs> Flair versus Steamboat, Chi-Town Rumble. <laughs> He's got the Rumble 92. He's got Flair versus Sean at uh, WrestleMania. I do love that Dusty Flair. I love that he says very specifically, he pointed out the Barry Windham match. <laughs> but he didn't do it with the Dusty. That's so great. Um, now, did they do a cage match at Starcade 84? Um, you know, that might have been it. Yeah, yeah. That could be the one. Yeah. But, but the problem is, we wow, don't so know Flair did two cage matches in two. In a year's span. Back to back. That's yeah. wild. I'm going to go with Randy here real quick. I, just, I lost my... Lost I was going to say, for fun sometime, we should actually just count the Flair-Dusty Cage matches and see how many we can come up with. We should also count how many Broadways Flair and Steamboat did. <laughs> yeah, we'll start reviewing them, but we won't tell you which one is which. <laughs> Randy also has that uh, Ric Flair-HBK match from uh, Mania 24. The Terry Funk I Quit match. He has Steamboat, Chi-Town Rumble. You know, we're running the same thing we almost did with the NWA top NWA matches of all time. Everybody's picking a different Flair Steamboat match here. I'd love that everybody, like, in our inner circle, the people that wrote this list, they must have watched the Crockett Cup 87 recently because it's like Barry Windham, Crockett Cup 87, got on there again. And finally on Randy's list, one of the all-time greatest Ric Flair matches of all time, the Royal Rumble 92. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. <laughs> why, why would you do this to me, Randy? Yeah. Why, why would you do this? <laughs> now, the next list I have is from Lee Canfield. He's got Flair versus Chris Taylor, AWA. Flair versus Dusty, Starcade 84. Anything Flair versus Steamboat in 1989. Flair versus Wyndham, Crockett Cop 87. And Flair versus Michaels, Mania 24. <laughs> All right. Chris Taylor. Wow. Chris Taylor match. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Hey, we've been watching Russell for so long. I don't know what the fuck match that is. <laughs> no, no. I actually know what he's talking about. Chris Taylor was... Um, the Olympian. Uh, yeah, he was the Olympic hopeful that they had brought out, and Vern Gagne was all behind because, obviously, he loved amateur wrestling. I got to Google this and match. They, they wanted Chris Taylor to look phenomenal, so, obviously, they brought in... Mm -hmm. You know, they worked with, with Ric Flair... And Chris Taylor still looked like a joke. <laughs> I got to Google this match. All right, I got my boy Mike Flynn here. He's in like Flynn. He's got Funk from The Clash. He's got Wrestle War 89 with Steamboat. He's got, oh my God, woo! The Royal Rumble 92. <laughs> He's got HBK at Mania. And of course, Barry Windham, Crockett Cup 87, baby. AJ. 
Ric Flair is one of your all-time favorite wrestlers. He is your all-time favorite wrestler, truth be told. If anyone doesn't know that, I know that. What's your list, my man? Why is it Royal Rumble 92? I'm not not one to be specific, but I like from the North Carolina Fairgrounds in 1974, him versus Greg Valentine for the U.S. title. Hmm? I was there. That was the house show, right? It's on that internet tape that released the Mid-Atlantic films. Exactly. But here's to my real list. That match did happen, by the way, but it's not on my list. (laughs) Sting versus Flair, Clash of Champions 88. He made Sting. It's the first Clash of Champions. It's the first main event for a Clash of Champions. And he made Sting on that Clash. And... This is one of the things that we miss about Ric Flair is how much he built up other wrestlers and how much he made other people's mm-hmm. careers. So to me, that's one of his defining moments in making an icon. Flair versus Vader, Starcade 93, which I can't believe hasn't made more lists. Mm-hmm. You talk about an emotional journey. Once again, Flair in the ring telling a story, uh, drawing us in emotionally, and it's one of his great stories and just what he did in the ring for us bleeding like a sift as you may have seen on our working fans watch along i picked Wyndham versus flair from the <laughs> crockett cup 87 mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the watch along that we didn't even know that we did apparently mm-hmm. um that's uh, i've got flair versus funk the i quit match from 89 at the clash i think that that's one of the iconic moments i think that he mm-hmm. did such a great job once again of emotionally drawing us in and worrying about and this is babyface Ric Flair. This is a totally different side to Ric Flair. And it was us having sympathy for somebody who people have hated for so long. My last one on my list is Flair versus Michaels. I'm going to keep along with the emotional rides that he brought us on. We're talking about matches over basically a 20, 30 year career where emotionally either we hated, wanted to kill him or were in his corner, and I don't think that there was a dry eye, including Ric Flair's, on the night of WrestleMania 24 when he lost to Shawn Michaels. Awesome. Listen, man, I'm uh, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go next. I'm going to, uh, I want to I want to piggyback off that a little bit. Well, first off, I got the I Quit match with Terry Funk, because I've talked about this more times, I think, than anybody on this podcast, how much I love that match. And then a match I think has to automatically be in the top three already, because it's made so many lists. The Royal Rumble 92. Absolutely. <laughs> Flair's brilliant performance. You know, I, and here's why, too. I'm going to talk about the Royal Rumble 92 because, in my mind, you know, Flair did so much good work in the Crockett areas, NWA, WCW. But when he stepped up, as AJ would say, the mecca of pro wrestling, the World Wrestling Federation at the time, and <laughs> he won the WWF title that such great men as Hulk Hogan, this is AJ's words, Hulk Hogan carried. Then he, that's when Ric Flair, in my mind, truly became, in AJ's words here, immortal. Now, further on my list, I also have the two out of three fall match with Steamboat at the Clash in uh, New Orleans, which no one mentioned, but I'm going to mention. I like that one. I, like AJ, also have Vader at Starcade 93. That was emotional. That was also Flair getting beat up and why Vader is one of our top brawlers of all time, which we talked about in another episode. And finally, this doesn't make a lot of people's lists, but I think these guys had great chemistry. Ric Flair, Randy Savage, WrestleMania 8. 
It is one of the underrated WrestleMania matches of all time, in my opinion. I truly enjoyed this one. And again, it's also Flair at its best in his element, like AJ would say, the World Wrestling Federation, you know, where we like to truly think he belonged at that time. And that's it. Uh, AJ, you don't have to say a word. I, I got you, baby. Joe, go ahead with your next list. <laughs> I wish this was the live show so people could see the hatred in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get Kevin Dignam list next from the Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group because Dave, I hate to burst your bubble. He's got the two out of three falls match with Steamboat Ooh. in the clat. Mm. He's got Flair versus Savage Mania Eight. Whoa, shit! He's got the '92 Rumble. Well, who wouldn't? That's one of the greatest matches of all time. Flair versus Arn Fall Brawl. That's a good one. And Flair versus Sting from the first clash. Not bad. Joey, we're going to have to have Royal Rumble 92 in this final three, baby. I don't care what AJ says. This is good there. All right. Well, I'm going to hit you with three more lists back to back because you're going to get a whole lot of Rumble 92 up in your face. Prince oh. Alha has Flair versus Sting clash one. Flair versus Funk, I quit match. Mm. Flair versus Steamboat, Wrestle War 89. Mm. Rumble 92. And Flair versus Vader, Starcade 93. <laughs> I hate all of you. I'm so good. George Johnson's list because he's got the 92 Rumble. Got him right. He has, this is going to pop Dave huge, a random George South TV match. Oh. Where he made George look good. I know what and it I is. I believe George told us about he that did? match. Go back in the archives and listen to it. He's got Carrie in the cage. I love. I know that AJ loves his specificity. Mm-hmm. And he's got any of the Flair versus Dusty and any of the Flair versus Steamboat. Well, <laughs> thank you for being specific on those last couple. <laughs> but uh, for, for, for those of you who don't know, Carrie in the cage for Michael you Texas wrestling fans out there is actually the night where Michael Hayes was the special guest referee. Mm-hmm. It's the one where Michael actually helped cheat. Carrie yeah. wouldn't take the pinfall to win the title. Right. And that's when the Freebirds actually turn on the Von Erics. And it's also where they faked um, Fritz's heart attack. For those of you who may not know your Texas wrestling history, they uh, so, slammed the door in his head. This is a story that is included in the book Lance by Chance Wrestling is a Von Eric, written by Lance Vaughn and Vinnie Barry. This isn't just the, it gives you a good little kind of history on texas wrestling and i just happened to read that today otherwise aj would have blown my mind with that hell of a segue if guys if you don't get a chance to check out this book you're missing out you can't call yourself a wrestling historian and not have some idea as to texas wrestling and the global effect that it had in the 1980s and the things like music to the ring using different camera angles have they were the first ones to really have the cameraman up on the ring and this book about Lance Von Erich and talking about what it's like to be brought in as a substitute into the wrestling's biggest family in Texas, mm. you're missing out. I don't even want to hear anything about you being a historian if you don't read now, it. I haven't read it, but I'm hoping some other great legends are in there, too, that AJ really loved. Uh, AJ was a big fan. He was telling me earlier off the air about uh, world-class Texas, and he thought that Brian Adias never got his due. And that was somebody the most dangerous uh, wrestler in the history of wrestling. Yeah. What he could do with that thumb. The thumb and the neck. Ugh. Oh. So good. Anyway. Now, if you want this book, just go to lancebychance.com. And I can't say enough good about it. it if you look at it and you're going to dismiss it just because you don't think there's enough about Lance Von Eric to check out, you're dead wrong. Me and Joe actually both got copies. 
and we're going to take turns reading it to Dave throughout the week. So Please that do. He gets the like those little scriptures every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the Working Fans Book Club. Just... Now, I'm going to give you my list, and am I the last list here, Dave? Yeah, you are, baby. Wrap it up. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give you Flair versus Race, Starcade 83. What? <laughs> we got Flair Funk, I Quit. We got Rumble 92. Damn right. We got Flair versus Sting, Clash 1. <laughs> And I had to go with Flair versus Dusty, Star King 84. Because when we did that show on who's a better talker between Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, we found so many promos. And the funny thing was, most of them were cut about the other one. It was like a back and forth almost. So you, you got to have Flair versus Dusty in there. I think, again, because I want to go with the people vote here. I think Flair and Steamboat kind of got diluted a little bit here. So my final three, my recommendation final three is Flair Funk, I quit match, obviously. Royal Rumble 92's got to be there. The people have spoken, AJ. I'm sorry. And I think Crockett Cup 87, Flair and Barry Windham, as much as it surprised me. I love that match, but it's in there, I think. That, I got to surprise me at all. That's the best match of the three. It is a good one. I just can't believe that, uh, well. Well, about that, we'll talk about that more as we go here. Unless <laughs> Joe, you got unless you want to make an argument for another one making that list instead. I don't know. No, let's do this. Those three, I think, are the um, way to go. I agree with you one hundred percent. I think that's what the fans wanted this week. So uh, now, as far as good, but we don't even have to ask AJ who we're gonna boot first because we know who he wants to boot. Oh, right, a hundred percent, and I agree. I know who we're gonna boot first. <laughs> Fans just spoken. It's got to be Flair Windham 87. It's going out, baby. <laughs> That's got more votes than Flair and Funk. <laughs> it is what it is. When the final three comes, we get, to, we get to water it down. Listen, the Royal Rumble 92. It is Flair's greatest performance ever. All right? There's people like Jimmy Snuka, the big boss man, a.k.a. Bubba Rogers, Ray Trailer, who was big in the other crime. Kerry Von Eric. Hulk Hogan, Sid, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rowdy Piper. There was so many great people in that Royal Rumble, and Flair outshined them all, baby. Woo! I thought, I thought you were doing a list of the most overrated wrestlers of all time. I'm sorry. No, you? please. Get out of here with that. <laughs> right, AJ. I'm going to make a case for the 92 Rumble, and I want to see if it sways your opinion at all. Oh, go ahead. Because you said the 92 Rumble didn't really flex flair's abilities that much it didn't show what he could do while that is true i think it showed that it might be the first and only time that the wwe has put over somebody that came from the opposition Mm. with such strength flair came in as the number one guy almost with such heavy promotion and that was such a thing that for him to get so early that that's not something that Vince McMahon has done for many other people. And that's the only reason why I think it belongs on this list because it didn't make Ric Flair who he is, but you got Ric Flair as the dominant force he was in the NWA, Crockett, WCW, in a WWE ring. And that's why I feel it's important and has to be included. See, and Joe, while I, while, while I value your opinion, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I want to throw one other thing out there, AJ, before you finish this. I want to take the opinion of one other person, 
Okay, one other person who should sway this, and I think he should be at least this match should at least be in the finals. If it's not going to be Joe, it ain't going to be me. Then take the opinion of your idol, Ric Flair, who in the closing interview at Royal Rumble said, "I'm going to tell y'all with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment of my life." All right, so now I'm going to tell you why you guys are wrong. Um, <laughs> Absolutely one of the great moments of Ric Flair's career, but our debate is the greatest match mm. of Ric Flair's career. Agreed. This showed none of Ric Flair's skills other than how to take a boot and a punch. Bullshit. He did a lot of bumps in that match. He was flying all over the place. He, yeah, he got pressed, he got bumped around. That's great. Which is what Ric Flair normally does anyway. Except for <coughs> have a chance to actually showcase playing to the crowd and he didn't get the chance to be the Ric Flair that we did in matches like Wyndham's okay. he wrestled for what 45 minutes with not a rest hold okay hold on a second hold on a second first off not a rest hold I would go back and watch that to think there's not one rest hold alright two I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a debate and an argument I made about AJ I'm gonna come I'm gonna go after him personally a little bit here too he probably saw the Royal Rumble match one time that was it. Watch it and said, ah, Flair won the belt. Cool. And then left, all right? You go back and you watch that. Flair's banking off after people. He's doing all the Flair stuff, but he's doing it with multiple opponents, and he's doing it for an hour. And my God, it's the one Royal Rumble match that still stands out more than anyone in my eyes. I watched it twice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what does and that both, say? <laughs> and, both, and both times, I didn't like it. <laughs> Get out of your mind. <laughs> That's, uh, now, in fairness, if this many people voted for it, I'm not one to usually give in to the fans. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't really care. However, in this time, I am going to chalk it up to you guys. I'm going to let you guys have it. Hmm. For this many people to disagree, obviously, I'm in the extreme minority here. I mean, at the end of the day, we know what we're going to pick as the best match of all time. Yeah, that's and, and it's fine. You guys can give it to that. But those of us that actually love... No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. You're not, you're not saying to me. I'm arguing to make it into the finals. I'm booting Wyndham and Flair as much as I like it. You, how are you getting rid of that over Funkin'? I'm not getting rid of Funkin' Flair. That's the winner. Funkin' Flair won. Yeah. No, no, I understand. No, you can't get Wyndham in there. I, I love Wyndham. I'm yeah. trying to fight for him because I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Agreed. But we've had this talk before. I'm with you on Funk and Flair. I believe it's the birth of extreme wrestling. I believe that it's one of the most emotional uh, matches that mm -hmm. we have where it really drew fans in for. So I'm actually with you. There's, there's a couple things on this podcast you will hear me argue with. I will never bow down to. One, Ric Flair and Terry Funk is the greatest match of all time. <laughs> Kiss my ass. And two, despite the fact that Joe tried to like tell me in an earlier episode, go back and listen to it, that we weren't going to put Dusty as one of the great interviews. I think we had Jake or somebody we were going. I fought for Dusty, and he won, and I'm still proud of that. Joe probably smoked some weed that day and forgot about it. Doesn't really matter. Thank you, Joe. I definitely <laughs> forgot about that. I mean, I, 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 I can see myself maybe saying Dusty wasn't a great promo. And you didn't say that. You didn't say that. It was You were just fighting for like Jake Roberts or a few other people. That's what it was. So, oh, okay, and yeah. I just dismissed him. Out. Well, I mean, who was he up against? If you want to put Dusty up against Jake Roberts, that's a heavy one-two punch, and it's are you more a fan of that over-the-top braggadocious talk, 
or the low down, very monotone, like serious draw you in. Just a quick sidebar, because I know we're going to wrap this up. I'm just going to answer you like this. Am I a fan of the more braggadocious style? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Build the woods, baby. But, but like that teenage girl says to Dave, I'm going to wrap it up. Time to wrap it up, baby. And I say that. Dave was cutting some promos, getting a little braggadocious while Peyton last night. So mm. I know he's a fan of that. Boo the woods. Thank you for joining us again this week on the 531. And like we said earlier, if you haven't bought that Lance by Chance book, go to lancebychance.com, order it. It's a good read. We will see you next week. Bye. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with. The man they call Dave and H.H. Strange Brew. And today, we're going to kick it off with a debate. We're going to do Dave versus AJ. And we're going to talk about who's had the best NXT career so far. Tommaso Ciampa or Johnny Gargano. And today, AJ has agreed, unselfishly, to take Johnny Gargano. (laughs) So, AJ, start us off. Why is Johnny Wrestling the man in NXT right now? Oh, it's because he's held every belt. It's a good reason. <laughs> good reason. <laughs> no, no, he um, he's transformed. Also, I think that the character in which he portrays. I mean, he started off as white meat baby faces yeah. you can get, mm-hmm. and I think he's become one of the best heels in wrestling. Quite frankly, I think that his heel run right now with his wife Candice LeRae <laughs> is extremely underrated. I think that he does a great job every week. I mean, he even heals himself to his wife, who's also a heel. Hey, sidebar, how about him uh, putting that Leon Ruff over? Did you like that Leon Ruff kid? Even the way he puts Leon Ruff over, I actually love that story. Yeah. Because yeah. how often does the the person who's that much of an underdog actually win? Not only win, win the belt. Yeah, usually they'll make it tough or something like that. I don't. I Now they've made a storyline for the future where this kid can barely escape I mean, let's face it, he looks like he weighs about 110 pounds. I knew that was coming. <laughs> no, 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 but it, to a point where they even showed it on the camera with the belt <laughs> falling off him. He couldn't keep the belt. Johnny Gargano is not a large man. No, 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 no. <laughs> and he's able to keep the belt on himself. This rough kid can't even keep the belt up. How'd you like that? How'd you like that specific part? You like the story, but that specific part where the belt fell down his, onto his feet, how did you like that? You made a joke of it. You didn't like it, right? I don't like it. Anytime you make a joke out of wrestling, and don't get me wrong, there's spots in wrestling for humor, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But when you make a joke out of the belt itself mm-hmm. and out of wrestling itself. Or a joke out of the guy who won the belt. Did you or the guy, because first of all, the guy's got incredible talent. He does. You saw him wrestling there. He uses a great move set. Mm-hmm. He plays to his strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's not what we're talking about right now. Our focus is on the debate between... I got a sidebar a little bit here. I got a sidebar. But, but to me, Leon Ruff is what is actually good about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the fact that somebody with an extreme amount of talent can get themselves over, even if the odds are against them. Hey, and he was on AEW Dark this year, so looks like NXT got one there. They, they took it right underneath yeah, Tony. Yeah, they stole one. They I, stole I, one I on gotta, him. I got to believe um, Tony Khan was very upset when he realized that Leon Ruff was not elite. <laughs> I'm going to assume he's under contract to NXT right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know how we can talk about this another time, but I don't know if you're aware of how the payment tiers work or how the contract tiers mm-hmm. work in AEW. 
but they have different levels. They have guaranteed shows. They've got um, contract players, and then they have other levels that are Jericho. Mm. (laughs) Well, all right, my turn. Let's go back to Ciampa here. Kind of hard to argue what you're saying. Gargano, actually, I'll even help you out a little bit. He's had some of the best pure wrestling matches. I think there's some of the highest-rated matches in uh, Wrestling Observer history, if you want to look at that. I will give you this. I think you're going to agree with me this, this part, though. Ciampa... Heel work was absolutely some of the best damn stuff going. When that, when the part when he's like, when they didn't even have music for a little while, and he was like being super old school. Was two different styles of heel work. Mm-hmm. One is the scary psychopathic heel, right? Which is Champa, and he does an outstanding job with that. He's still doing a great job with it. Mm. When he and I know he's supposed to be coming across as a heel right now, when he's talking about the modern day wrestler, talking about the locker room. All, all these so-called tough guys and yeah. people believe in their own hype and stuff like that. And he's supposed to be the bad guy. That was a baby face. <laughs> the problem is to me, yeah, he's coming across as a complete baby face because he's saying everything I say about the locker room. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to intensity, nobody can match Ciampa. I, I think this debate between us is going to be one of the more difficult ones because we both have tremendous respect for both of the wrestlers and for what they've worked up. We talked about Leon Ruff being undersized. But let's face it, both Ciampa and Gargano in a wrestling industry are considered undersized wrestlers. They are. They are. And um, they've probably been blessed to be on NXT as long as they have. I can only imagine what the main roster, Vince McMahon, might have done to these guys at this point. But but I think both of us have also heard the rumors that they have asked to stay on NXT. Right. That neither one of them, even though they've gotten over, have wanted to move up to what they call the main roster Mm -hmm. because they know that they would get lost in the shuffle. I don't think either one of them until probably Vince is in his grave are going to want to be moved up. Yeah. One of the fans of the show, Zach, he agrees with you. He said, Johnny Gargano's the ultimate baby face morphed into a swarmy heel. He loves the story. Both of them have told their matches together. were great one-on-one. They also have some of the best tag matches together, but he feels like Johnny just has a few more great singles matches Notably more with Adam Cole. I think, to be honest with you, Gargano can wrestle with anyone. And it's not against Ciampa. Ciampa's a tremendous wrestler. Mm-hmm. But his style doesn't blend with everyone. Sure. We've seen matches where it can be a little choppy, a little... Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes that's good in a match. You don't want it to be too smooth. But every match Gargano wrestles is basically the smoothest match of the night. Because the guy's such a great technical wrestler. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it definitely, if you look at like a guy like Ciampa, again, and I like Ciampa's overall one, that one run he had, I think, is better than anything anyone's well, done. He, well, he's had a problem that Johnny Gargano has not had so far. Injuries. He's had the injuries add up. I mean, he had a neck injury yeah. where we thought that he might be actually done. So it, it's a little harder to gauge the success of him because he's missing a whole year that Gargano was there building up this new character. Now, I'm just going to pull Zach. I'm just going to pull Jake here, the brother who these guys normally agree. Talk about how close this is. Jake actually went, I think Gargano had more sustained push and character development, but I think Ciampa's one on top was the best run either of them ever had. Now, I, I would agree with that for the most part. I do think the difference maker here, and the reason why I'm kind of leaning towards what you're saying, is the wrestling. And uh, what popped in my head as we're talking about this is if we put them both on the main roster, and let's take a talent that 
is polarized into a lot of people that maybe listen to the show won't like Randy Orton. But we both think Randy Orton's pretty smooth in that ring. I see a guy like Gargano style blending in a lot better. He can be that ultimate babyface if he has to. He can sell, and he's a lot more smoother in the ring. Ciampa sometimes to me, for a smaller guy, feels like he's hitting a lot more power moves and stuff like that. It could be a little troublesome if he had bigger guys in there. I'm actually going to disagree because of the Ooh. Randy Orton one. Okay. <laughs> I think that, believe it or not, Ciampa style blends better with Randy Orton. Mm. I think that because it would be such a technical match that we would see flaws between the... Because Johnny Gargano is maybe 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, yeah. And you're talking about Randy Orton, who's 6'5", for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking about almost a foot difference in height trying to do technical chain wrestling. Mm. You're much better off doing technical chain wrestling with somebody who's around the same size bracket as you are. It's a lot easier to manipulate the holds. It's a lot easier to make it functional. Whereas if you put Choppa and you put Randy Orton in there and they're throwing those chops and those punches and the kicks and stuff like that, it's a lot easier to tell a story that way with the size difference. I guess I just pictured Gargano maybe breaking down Orton like with to the leg, leg kicks and stuff and going for aerial moves. Yeah. And he very much could. Mm. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm just saying... I think it would expose it because Ciampa is a little bit bigger than Gargano. Fair enough. He's not, he's not big. He's only like 5'10", but he he is a little bit bigger than Gargano. Well, this one is pretty close. We both, I think, kind of lean towards Johnny on this one, but we take yeah. it to the people, and the people have spoken. And I polled five select fans of the show for this one, and it came back 3-2, to two, and the winner is Johnny Wrestling. Now, I assume that we chose five in honor of King Kong Bundy because we were talking about technical wrestlers. But I would like to point out one more thing, and this is, uh, obviously, I agree, uh, and I wanted this because I think Argano's the man. But that injury, once again, to Ciampa, Mm. I think has also caused him in the future because I think it's made them not pull the string again on making him a champion because if at any time that neck does go bad, they would have to do a similar thing and get the belt off him. And I think it's held his push back a little bit and is kind of holding back his character a little. Yeah, not, not I can't really argue that. I think uh, Johnny Wrestling, on the other hand, too, is actually adding layers to his character this year, like we said. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, there are so many layers to it. It might as well be a wedding cake. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, three to two. I'm going to get out of here on this one. Johnny Wrestling takes the cake. We're out of here. Working Fans Podcast. Hey there, guys. This is AJ Strange Brew from the Working Fans Podcast, and it's that time of year. It's Thanksgiving, so let's take a moment here and let you know what we're thankful for. I am most thankful for my family. I think that they are absolutely amazing. They support me, my wife, my daughter. Then I'm also support very thankful for Joe and Dave, my co-hosts, who come on and listen to me be a jerk every week. Also, I am extremely thankful for you the fans and for taking the time to listen to us every wednesday night live at 6 p.m and also listening to the podcast which drops every thursday thank you for all you guys do we can't do this without you guys it's amazing how much support that we've received and last but not least we're thankful for all everything entertainment and putting us on their network Guys, everybody stay healthy, enjoy your Thanksgiving, and we look forward to seeing you more this year.
All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at FansWorking. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 